Take your Bibles this morning and open to John's Gospel again, the 11th chapter. Page 1163 in the blue Bible in front of you, if that's what you're using. We're going to read another long passage this morning, so I'm going to ask you again, if you make sure you stay with me, you don't want to check out too soon uh, and miss the point of of, uh, God's Word, because this is what God honors. God honors His Word, and so we've got to pay attention to what He's saying to us through these words. We're going to begin reading in the first verse. John chapter 11. You follow along as I read out loud. John records, now there was a man named Lazarus who was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whom, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After Jesus said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when he, then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been dead four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he'd said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. Have you ever felt like God has delayed so long in helping you that now it's too late? God could have done something if he'd done what you needed sooner. But now that he's waited so long, there's no point. It's too late. Do you ever wonder why God takes his sweet old time in helping us? Well, this story gives us some clues as to why God delays acting in our lives. Let's recap the story. It's a long story, briefly. But let's recap what happens here. As we've seen that before, though, this is a story that's just way, way too much in this text for us to cover everything in one sermon. This actually is the longest story that John tells us in his gospel. And it provides the greatest irony. Why? Because... It is in the resurrection of of Lazarus that Jesus seals his own fate. For in raising Lazarus from the dead, it's that which gets Jesus killed. One of Jesus' closest personal friends, Lazarus, is sick. Very sick. When Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, he does nothing. Jesus was two days away, two-day journey. He waits two days before he does anything. He waits two more days. Can you imagine when the servant who went and told Jesus that Lazarus was sick, when he got back, can't you see the sisters as they're... Where's Jesus? Well, he didn't come. 
But you told him that Lazarus is sick, right? Yeah, we told him. And what did he do? He just sat there. Can you imagine now two days after the servant gets back before Jesus comes? For two days, Mary and Martha are looking at themselves and saying, What's going on here? Jesus went around the countryside healing people by the thousands. He's our best friend. We let him know that Lazarus needs some help. He does nothing. You've got to believe that it was driving them nuts. This is some friend, huh? He'll help everybody else, but when we need him, where is he? This seems so out of character for Jesus, doesn't it? Now, this doesn't seem out of character for some people that we know. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Some people are on their own timetable. You ever need to be someplace and you're going with somebody else and they're just dawdling? It drives me nuts. They know we need to go. And they're just taking their own sweet time. It's like, come on. Jesus has not demonstrated this kind of what appears to us to be insensitivity before. When Jesus finally gets to where Lazarus was, it's been four days since he died. Both sisters, on different occasions, different times, come to Jesus and they say exactly the same thing. Jesus, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. You know why they both said that? Because for the last three or four days, that's what they've been saying. Boy, if Jesus could just get here, he'll be okay. Jesus never shows up. If you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Which is another way of saying, thanks a lot, Jesus. You weren't here when we needed you. You ever feel that way? Like God isn't around when you need Him. Ultimately, Jesus does raise Lazarus from the dead. Great. What we said in basketball, you know, we'd smack somebody real hard. You know, No blood, no foul. You know, you're still living, shut up. Jesus raising Lazarus four days late by our timetable doesn't make it okay. Jesus still wasn't there when they needed him. But Jesus does raise him from the dead and this sets off a firestorm in Jesus' life. The religious leaders, they're like, we've had it. This, is, this guy has got to be stopped. I mean, this is too much. Everybody's going to believe in him. When you start raising the dead, that gets people's attention. What's humorous is in the next chapter of John's Gospel, he tells us that not only do the religious leaders decide they've got to kill Jesus, they get together and say, we've got to kill Lazarus too. This guy's walking around. When you have people coming back from the dead, man, I heard you were sick. Oh, man, I was dead. 
doing better now. Well, what happened? Well, Jesus rose me from... They said, we can't just kill Jesus. we got to kill the evidence too. This was it. This, in John's Gospel, this is the event, the tipping point that gets Jesus killed. Well, what do we learn about Jesus? We've been doing this week after week as we're going through these stories. What do we learn specifically about Jesus as we read this story? Well, we, we see time and again in this passage that Jesus is focused on the glory of God. Verse 40 says, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? This whole thing, raising Lazarus from the dead, was not Jesus helping his friend because he was a friend. This is Jesus doing this for the glory of God. We could spend the whole day just on this point. Jesus was zeroed in on God's glory. Everything Jesus did was for the glory of God. Nothing else mattered to him. Remember last week, the blind man, born blind, the disciples were like, well, why did this happen? And Jesus said, that it happened so that the glory of God might be displayed. This was all that mattered to Jesus. Not himself, but the glory of God. And the religious leaders, they got it. Because God was being magnified, God was being glorified. And they said, we've got to stop this. Because they said, if this continues, Rome is going to come in and take away our position and give it to him. We're going to lose our power. This miracle took the fight to a whole new level. If Jesus is who he claims to be, and I'm telling you, when you raise dead people, that kind of validates what you've been saying. It's kind of hard to argue, oh, he's a, he's a bum. He's not from God. Yeah, really? Then how's he raising dead people? This just changed everything. They understood there wasn't enough room in the picture for them and for Jesus. Somebody had to go. Jesus was about the glory of God. Second, contrary to what it reads at first, Jesus was moved by what he saw that day. John eleven thirty five, 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. Two words. If you can't memorize this one, you got problems. Jesus wept. And I'm glad that the people who chopped up the Bible into chapters and verses singled that one out. Because that verse needs attention. Jesus wept. But it begs the question, Jesus, if you know you're going to raise him from the dead... I wouldn't be weeping. I'd be smirking. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. See all these people crying around here? You just wait. Give me a minute. I'm going to raise him. Oh, this is going to be fun. But Jesus, as he looks around, he is moved by what he sees. Not that he sees his dead. His friend's going to be back in a few minutes. Problem solved. He was not weeping for his dead friend. He was weeping for the people who were weeping. He saw them moved by grief. 
They didn't know what he knew. And so they were caught in the grip of grief. And Jesus was moved by that. Folks, how many of us, is that not true? Yes, we're moved by grief when it's our grief. When it's somebody close to us who has died. But when it's somebody else, well, you know, life happens, man. Right? Cycle of life. Cycle of, you ever hear that one? Somebody dies and people are just chirping, oh, it's just a cycle of life. How come you don't say that when it's somebody close to you that dies? Jesus is moved by the grief that he sees. How could Jesus be the righteous person that he is? How could he be pure? How could he be kind and loving and not be moved by the pain that he saw that day? But see, I think that all the violence that we see around us every day, we have television, we have the internet, we are just inundated by violence and death every day, that it's desensitized us to the pain. Jesus wasn't there. Jesus was moved by the need of his friend, the hurt of his friends, but he didn't set aside the glory of God for his friends. How many of us are so guilty that we want to get in there and just fix everything so quick that we're focusing on fixing the problem rather than God getting the glory? Jesus was focused on the will of God. I'm sure Jesus was moved, and I'm sure there's a part of him that didn't want to go right away. I'm sure he wanted to run. As soon as they came and told him, that Lazarus was sick. You do understand Jesus is saying, you know, he, he's going to do... Jesus already knew all that stuff. He's divine. They didn't tell him something he didn't already know. But I'm sure there's part of him in his humanness that wanted to run. I would have said to, to, the, to the servants, erase you back. I'd have made that two days journey in one day. Jesus wasn't so moved by compassion that he forgot about the glory of God. There's a big picture here that Jesus sees. He didn't move off his mission to seek the will and the glory of God, even though he knew that people were hurting around him. Number three, we see here that Jesus is on a different timetable than we are. You see, we only see time from how it affects us. And boy, I don't know about you, but I am impatient. I make impatient people look patient. I want stuff. I don't want it now. I want it yesterday. Right? I'm like, Amazon has a, has a next day. That's never fast enough. Why can't I have it today? Right? Why can't I already have it? Jesus is on a different timetable than us, though. Jesus is not so moved by the pain of his friends that he wants to rush through this and get Lazarus healed right now. We're going to come back to that. Number four, and this one's huge. Jesus says this, and it's a verse I quote at virtually every funeral I ever do. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. This is huge. 
Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. What Jesus did here is significant. In that day, the rabbis taught that when a person died, his spirit hung around for three days. In case the person's body comes back to life, then the spirit would go back in them. So the spirit of a person would hang around for three days. After three days, the spirit packed up and left and said, it's done. He's not coming back. John makes it a point to let us know that Lazarus has been dead for four days. What does that mean? That means that he's not just dead. He's dead dead. The spirit has left. There is no way. They actually believed that three days was the, the, the key. That your body wouldn't even start to decompose until after the spirit left on the fourth day. Some have argued that that's why Jesus was only in the grave. Because the promise of scripture was that his body would not see decay. That's why when, when Martha says to Jesus, Man, don't open that thing up. It's been four days. He's ripe now. He's starting to stink. This is, it's beyond late It's too late. But what Jesus does here is he demonstrates his absolute power over life and death. In their mind, maybe somebody could come back after three days. Four days, uh uh, not going to happen. That's why Jesus waited. He wanted to make sure that everybody knew it was hopeless. Stick with me, people. I believe that that's why God lets our problems go. He waits until we are absolutely hopeless. And then when we turn to Him, there is no question that it's Him who did it. That it's God who did that miracle in our life. To us, it's so pointless. In this story, it couldn't get more hopeless. And yet Jesus speaks a word and the man comes alive. Jesus acts decisively. But this is the key part here I want you to see. Jesus is not just about raising people from the dead. He didn't say, I am the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's key. Because for too many of us, we're only looking at Jesus to undo our death when we die. But stick with me. The point of Jesus resurrecting us is not so that we can be resurrected to live forever. Endlessly, day after day. For all eternity, staying alive. You understand that if all we get when we're resurrected is a resurrection to the same old life that never ends, for all eternity, I don't know about you, but I don't want that. Amen? 
I don't want to be resurrected to the same old life. To live the same endless routine. Jesus is not just the source of our power, keeping our batteries running for all eternity so that we never die. Jesus does more than just give us length of days. He gives us quality of life. A quality that we've never had. And this, people, is a point that most people in the church don't get. And that is that eternal life is not about length of days. It's about quality of days. They see the resurrection of Jesus as something we keep in our back pocket until we die. And then you pull out your get-out-of-death-free card, you play that, you get resurrected, and then you live forever. But until then, we just live our lives however we want, because, well, I don't need Jesus yet, I'm not dead. But, well, I got my get-out-of-death-free card, I'm ready to go. It's not the point of what Jesus is doing here. What we learn in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I came that people might have abundant life. A quality life. Not just the life that goes on forever and ever, but a rich, full life. I want you to look at verse 37 for a second. People started speculating about Jesus in relationship to the death of Lazarus. And they said, couldn't he not have kept this from happening? Couldn't this man who healed the blind man, couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? That's a huge expression of faith. We believe Jesus could have kept him alive. If he got here in time. In that expression of faith about Jesus' ability to stop the death of Lazarus, they were also expressing a different belief about Jesus as well. And that is, but it's too late now. Boy, if he'd been here. If he had been here. And that's what both sisters had said. Had you been here at the right time, you could have stopped this. But now, (sighs) nothing you can do. And Jesus said, watch this. You think it's over? It ain't over. You think it's too late? It's not too late. Because even if it was true, and I don't know how, that the Spirit hovered around the body for three days. When Jesus comes the fourth day, you know what He says? Spirit, get back there! Even if the Spirit had checked out, Jesus has control over life and death. It's not too late. What's our takeaway though today? What do we get for us today? When we see this Jesus and His absolute power over life and death. Number one, do you believe in this Jesus? Verse 45, the last verse that we read, said that many people believed because what they saw. This is why John said he wrote his gospel. Remember? I wrote these things so that you might believe. 
And who was he talking to? He was talking to his readers. He was talking to us. I wrote this down so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus said something that was huge. Did you... Did you... Pay attention when I read the part where Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus was dead. They didn't get it. Typical in John's stories, it goes right over their head. Oh, he's sleeping. And they're like, well, then he'll wake up. And she's like, no, I mean he's dead. And then Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't there. He's heartless, it seems. I'm glad I wasn't there. Ooh. Do you believe in this Jesus? You see, if you've been here week after week as we've gone through this series, you have seen Jesus. And you have enough now. You've seen enough to believe in Him. So the question is, do you? Do you see Jesus for who He really is? Number two. Make sure that you're plugged into the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. You understand that the emptiest life is a life lived without God. Are you with me? The emptiest life is a life lived without God. That's actually how the Bible describes hell. Hell is being apart from God. Hell is God saying, you lived your life, you don't want to have anything to do with me, then God says, go to hell. You won't have anything to do with me then, for all eternity. And the torment of hell is being cast from the presence of God to have nothing to do with Him. God said, that's what you wanted, go for it. And it's an empty life for all eternity without having God in it at all. It only stands to reason, though, that if that is the empty life, that is the meaningless life, that the fullest life, the abundant life, is the life that we get with Jesus, with God in the center of our life. Don't go through these stories and just academically see that Jesus is the Christ. Get plugged into the abundant life that God has for you. Jesus is the source of that life because Jesus is the way that we get plugged into God. Without Him, there is no relationship with God. Number three, this passage speaks to our evangelism, how we tell others about Christ. You say, well, how is that, preacher? Have you ever been witnessing to somebody and you just think, this is pointless? You ever talk to them and you're like, this is getting nowhere. They're not listening to me. They're not hearing anything. What is the point? Here's what the point is. Jesus said to the disciples, Lazarus is only sleeping. Well, we realize later that he's speaking metaphorically. He wasn't lying. He wasn't mistaken. Mistaken. Lazarus was really dead. And then Jesus gets to the tomb four days after the man was dead. Did you see what he said? He spoke to Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come out. What? You don't speak to dead people. Do you know why? 
Because they can't hear. Jesus, why are you talking to a dead man as though he's alive? Because at that moment when Jesus spoke, Lazarus heard. And Jesus speaking was an expression of his faith that there was somebody on the other side to hear. What does that mean for us when we evangelize, when we tell people about Christ? To us, it might look like there's nothing there. But by faith, we speak to dead people. By faith, we speak to them as if they can hear because we don't know if at that moment God's going to cause them to come alive, just like God caused you to come alive to hear the message when somebody preached it to you. This is huge. We've got to keep preaching. Because Jesus could see a reality of a dead man in a tomb who's no longer dead who can hear me. And we speak to people with the eye of faith and says, you know what, I think they can hear me. I believe God's going to take these words and He's going to open their eyes, open their ears that they can hear what I'm saying. We do it by faith. We call dead people to put their faith in Jesus. Why? Because we see a reality that they can't. And it happened in my life and I believe it can happen in yours too. Amen? We keep sharing the good news even when it looks like there's no point. Finally, number four, what do we get from this story today? Number four, when God shows up late, it's for a reason. We look at a situation and we get all flustered. God, why are you delaying? This is just pointless. It's a waste of time. Get here now. I need you. But God uses these difficult life experiences to push our faith to a new level. Martha said, when she first met Jesus on the road, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and life. Do you believe this? And she said, oh, I believe you're the Christ. She expressed faith in Jesus at one level. I believe you're the Christ. Jesus could have said, good enough for me. Let's go. But Jesus used this experience to push her faith even more. Because this woman who said, I believe that God can give you anything you ask, even now. Remember that? Then they get to the tomb, and Jesus said, well, roll that stone away. Let's get ready to go here. And what's Martha say? No, 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 don't do that. Too late. Jesus pushes her faith to grow it. And this is, this is key. There was no way for their faith to grow the way that it did unless Jesus delayed. You see, Jesus could have come 15 minutes after Lazarus had died. Body still warm, but dead. And Jesus could have raised him from the dead 15 minutes after he died and said, Now you do realize I could have waited four days. And then, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Jesus was not about telling them what he could do. He was about showing them. Because when you sit there and struggle for four days trying to wonder what in the world God is doing, or more precisely, what in the world God is not doing, why he's wasting my time and not answering my prayer right now, that's when our faith grows. When we see God act, 
After four days. After we are God, it's over. We wanted you to do it, but it's too late now. And I actually tell people, I had lunch with somebody this past week who his wife just divorced him. And I said, ladies, don't get upset when I use this expression. You remember the term that Yogi Berra used to use? It ain't over till the fat lady sings. In this story, do you know what happened? After four days, the fat lady sang. She went home and she put her jammies on. It was done. It was over. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh. It ain't over till I say it's over. And I told this man whose divorce was final two weeks ago, I said, listen, it ain't over until God says it's over. And I said, God can change her heart. I said, I'm not telling you that God will. I'm not telling you that she'll be obedient. But I said, don't give up. Even though on paper it looks like it's done. There is no way for us to experience the glory of God and the power of God until we go through it. And some of you are sitting here today and say, Preacher, I'm going through it right now. And I've cried. You've been there. I've been there. You've cried literally. God, what are you waiting for? Do it. This is pointless, God. I want you to act. Act. God says, no, I'll act when it's my time for my glory. Make sure that you're focusing on the glory of God and not what you want. The spiritual good that God wants to do in our life is so good, it's worth the wait. It is so good, it's worth the torment of what we go through. Because God is not tormenting us to hurt us. He's, he's allowing us to suffer so that our faith might grow. Trust God. Even when it looks like God's forgotten about you. Because God has a bigger agenda for your life than you even realize. Do you believe that this morning? To us, why didn't Jesus just as come as soon as he heard it? Jesus, you should have stopped this. I'm getting off the notes here, but give me a minute. I would have loved to have been at the dinner party next that came at... What do you do when somebody comes back from the dead? You throw a party. I would have loved to have been there at that party. Mary and Martha going around, every time they walk by Lazarus, give him a hug, give him a pinch, just make sure he's still alive, right? I bet they were partying and celebrating. I bet they were having a great time. And I bet Jesus is there smirking. That's when his smirk came. At the party after the resurrection. And I bet he pulled Mary and Martha aside. Honestly, tell me, what were you saying about me for those four days? Come on, let's hear it. You thought I was a dog, didn't you? Right? You... What's wrong with him? He's not... That's what you were saying about me, wasn't it? Right? You thought it was over, didn't you? Right? I bet Jesus messed with them. Right? Because at that point, 
After your brother's been raised from the dead, right? You suddenly see things more clearly, don't you? Who Jesus really is and why it happened, right? I bet they came by Jesus a few times and, You made us wait! Yeah, I did. Right? But it was for the glory of God. And I bet they were okay with it. Well, still, I wish you wouldn't... No, they got their brother back and they got to see the glory of God. How many of you want to see the glory of God today in your life? It may hurt. It probably will. But the glory of God, His presence in our life is more important than anything else. Jesus came to Martha on the road and He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And I'm going to ask you the same question this morning. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah, 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 I believe Jesus. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about can you spit back a yes. I believe Jesus is the Christ. Do you believe it? Have you seen the glory of God in Christ? You've seen the glory of God through Christ. And you say, I want that in my life too. I want to know God through Jesus more than anything else. That's what makes this story so important. Because to us, we look at Lazarus and we say, Hey, all in, all's well that ends well. He's back alive. If all you get out of this story is a dead guy is now back to being alive, you missed the point. It's in the process of raising this guy that they get to see the glory of God. Do you believe in Christ today? You see, knowing where the outlet is, knowing the plug has to go into the outlet is not the same thing as being plugged in. I hate calling tech support when you're having a computer problem. Is it plugged in? Gee, I don't know. <laughs> right? Never thought about that one. Right? But how many of us know that the power of God means we have to be plugged into Jesus and we're not plugged in? Gee, I don't know why I don't have the power of God. Check the plug! And this story shows us that we can be a plugged into an abundant life. Not a long life. An abundant life. Do you want that today?